I may never sing a song that brings people to their feet. And mighty men of world renown I may never get to meet. But I have an invitation to hasten to his throne. To lay my burdens at his feet and make my petitions I have found that he will be my brother and my friend, for he never will forsake me. He will always hear my plea, because he stands beside the Father, interceding just for me.
I go ahead and introduce our speaker uh, this morning at all before our special. Uh, he is from Red Bay, Alabama. If you want to know where that's at, you'll have to ask him or look it up on a map somewhere. It is good to have Brother Greg with us this morning and all. He's going to preach for us in the view of a call. And right after this special, go ahead and come forward. Mr. Deese.
good to be with y'all this morning. If you will, well, he's got my name up there. I want to say, explain to you how you say my name. Everybody just calls me Brother Greg, but my last name is three little words. Phil Am Lee. Phil Am Lee. It looks like it's a mess, but when you break it down, it's not that bad to understand and, and to say. But I always answer just to Brother Greg, that would be perfectly fine. And uh, my wife is with me uh, today, Tammy, T-A-M-M-Y, and she's sitting down here by Dina. I was thinking a while ago, and I've tried to uh, get some of the names. Uh, probably won't know anybody's but the, uh, the Fosters, and uh, I appreciate them. They've taken us in this weekend and treated us very, very nice. We have one daughter. She is a senior at Mississippi State. And uh, a lot of the kids I met with them this morning, some of them like Mississippi State, some of them don't, but that's okay. She is a uh, senior at Mississippi State. She is a doing a college internship at Disney. And so she went to Disney on August the 10th, and she will come home on January the 4th. So uh, I don't agree with everything Disney does, but she applied and... Uh, I think 40,000 people applied and they accepted about four or two, two or 4,000, something like that. And it's, we hope it's going to look good on her resume. So when she gets ready to find a job, but she's enjoying herself there and, uh, just the only daughter that we have. And, uh, if you have any questions, feel free to ask me anytime. We've got a question, schedule, question and answer schedule for this afternoon. I encourage you to come back, be a part of that. And, uh, but, uh, my life is an open book. And uh, trying to think, is there anything else I want to say right now? But uh, welcome this morning. It's good to be here with y'all. Good, good. I'm glad you're here. Let's have prayer, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the day. We thank you for many blessings. We thank you for these songs that we've sung this morning. And Lord, I just pray that uh, we'll just focus on you just for a few moments right here this morning. Focus on your word and focus on what it means and how we can apply it to our life today. And Lord, I pray, especially, Lord, Your Holy Spirit is here with us. Without God being here with us, without Your Holy Spirit, we've met in vain this morning. I pray He's here with us. Pray, Lord, that we'll allow Him to, to speak to our hearts and our minds and our lives. And those that need convicting will get that convicting. Those that need touching will get that touching. And Lord, I especially pray if there's someone here that needs to come this morning, Someone here that needs to be saved, that today would be the day of salvation before it's everlasting too late. We just thank You for Jesus, what He did for us on the cross. In His name we do pray. Amen. I enjoyed that, How Great Is Our God. I can remember every time I hear that song, we sing that song periodically, I can remember a time that we carried about 20 kids to the Smoky Mountains. And we was up there... and staying in Gatlinburg, had a big condo and all this, and uh, five or six or seven rooms in it. And We said, let's go up to Clingman's Dome. And we went up there, and we pulled off on the side of the, high, side of the road there. There was an overlook, and we got out, and we were standing there, and our music youth director had his guitar, and we was going to have a little devotional, some singing up there. And we looked out over those mountains, and we sung, How Great Is Our God, and we thought, How Great He Is. That could form that. You know, mankind today tries to 
get God out of everything. You know, I know there's times that that God works in our lives that are painful times. And I've titled the sermon this morning, A Tearful Moment. There's times that God works in our life that are, are painful. I've had people ask me, Brother Greg, why did this happen? Why did that happen? You know, I go to church. I read my Bible. I try to do this and I try to do that, you know. And I won't tell you, Brother Greg don't have the answer all the time. He probably don't have it very much. But we've got to believe that God is great and God is good and He's in control and He takes care of things. And you know, think about a story about the great Chicago fire. You may know about the, the fire back in 1871. I think they said a cow may have kicked over the lantern and caught a fire. The fire burned for three days. $200 million of damage in those three days. Over 300 people lost their life. A hundred thousand people were homeless. There was a man by the name of Horatio Gates Spafford. He was a lawyer in the city of Chicago, and he worked for two years helping the homeless. He had invested heavily in the city of Chicago and downtown, bought buildings, fixed buildings. He had, I mean, he was helping people and all this, and then the Chicago fire happened. For two years, he helped the homeless. He helped those that needed help. He did this and he did that, doing everything he could. And finally come a time, he said, you know, hey, wife, we need to get away for a vacation. They had four little girls. They had heard about a man by the name of D.L. Moody. You may know who I'm talking about. He did some great evangelistic crusades. And he was doing one over in Europe. And so they had planned to go over there and be involved in that evangelistic crusade. And they were going to board this boat, big luxury liner. They were going to get on there. They were going to sail over there. And when they got through in Europe, they were going down to England and visit the sites and all this. And they were coming home and just get away with the family. Well, a couple of days before the, the trip happened, some kind of big business thing came up. And he told his wife, said, I've got to wait for a couple of days. You and the girls get on the ship and go on. I'll catch up with you over there in, in Europe. The crusade. The girls, four girls and the mother got on the ship. And he saw them off and he went back to work. Off the coast of Newfoundland, they ran into an English sailing ship. Within 20 minutes, everything was underwater except a little bit of floating wreckage. Forty-seven people hung on to wreckage. The mother was one of those 47. Four little girls that they had had all four had drowned and she couldn't find them anywhere. She got rescued and got to land and she sent a telegram to her husband with two words on it. Saved alone. He was devastated. He dropped his business, boarded the next ship. He told the captain or somebody on the ship, said, when we get to that place where the wreck happened, will you please let me know? I said, yeah, we'll do that. They got to that place and they told him, said, we're here. God spoke to him and gave him a song. It is well with my soul. He wrote that song. And I wonder in my life, and maybe today as we think about this song, how many people has that song impacted? When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to say, 
It is well. It is well with my soul. God gave him that song. In that tearful moment, in that moment where he had lost, it seemed like, God, why is this happening? Why is that happening? God gave him that song. Y'all ever sing it here? How many people has that impacted their life? I want to tell you, there's not a person here, I believe, this morning that some kind of a trial or a tragedy or a hardship has not affected their life. Even these little ones, if we could ask them, has anything affected your life? I want to tell you, we brought our little girl home. I held her like this and I thought, oh me. You know, I thought I was ready for this. Until I had that first dirty diaper. And I was like, oh, I'm not ready for this. But when she let out a scream and a cry, she had a trial and a tragedy and a hardship. She wanted something to eat or wanted that diaper change or wanted something. There's not a person, even these little ones, that have not been affected by something. Whether it be illness, death, family problems, health problems, job problems, boyfriend problems, girlfriend problems, whatever it may be, we've all been affected by something. Maybe you a question, you know, where's God at? What's God doing in my life? But I want to tell you this morning, Jesus said in John chapter 16 and verse 33, don't turn there. If you want to, you can write it down. Mark chapter 5 is where we're going to be at. Mark chapter 5. Go ahead and turn there. I want to tell you what Jesus said in that Scripture. Jesus said in John chapter 16 and verse 33, He said, in the world you're going to have tribulation. Now when I read that, I think it's Jesus saying, you are going to. There's not a doubt. Now Jesus knew it all, right? Not a doubt we're going to have tribulation. In this world, you will have a trial, a tribulation, a hardship. Something's going to happen in your life. Something's going to come in your life that's going to make something you know, awful in your life. But He said, wait now. He said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Any problem that we might have, any trial, any tribulation that we might have, Jesus has overcome that. Today we're going to be confronted with a father who's experiencing tragedy. He's going to experience the death of his daughter. But I want to tell you this morning, praise God, here is a man, and it's an example to us today, here is a man that knew exactly where to turn to. He turns to Jesus Christ. I don't know how many times I've seen hardships come in people's lives, and what did they do? They turned away from God. I, you know, they quit coming to church. They may even quit, you know, I used to do these things, but I don't do them anymore that people have told me. I say, well, why not? They say, well, I feel like God let me down. God never lets us down. It may be a tearful moment, but God never lets us down. What an example. He knew right who to turn to. In these Scriptures this morning, we're going to see that I want to say Jesus reached into the jaws of defeat. And he's going to snatch out victory. I don't want to talk about the ball game last night. I was upset just like a lot of y'all was. Last minute, Arkansas blew it. Don't bring that up, preacher. Let's get on something more positive, right? 
This morning I want to share with you three things. The second thing is going to be, uh, not a lot of, no scriptures really in it, but this morning I want to share with you the dialogue. We're going to begin looking at Mark chapter 5 and verse 21. I want to read verse 21 and verse 22 says, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. The accomplishment. I want you to see what does the Scripture say about him. He is a ruler of the synagogue. Now today, what would that look like in our time? I want to think about their time for a second. In their time, here was a man that would walk around and they had special clothes that was made for them. Special headdress that was made for them. When they come up, everybody saw them. Everybody said, there's a ruler of the synagogue. He'd be the kind of person that when he came in, everybody would take notice of who he was. He had prominence. He had a position. He had power. He was a man that when he spoke, people listened to what he had to say. The Bible makes it distinct. He is a ruler of the synagogue. What an accomplishment. But with this man, sickness and death did not care who he was. His daughter was at the point of death. Here was a man that didn't matter how much power he had, how much prestige he had, didn't matter. Death was coming to his house. I wonder today... You know, I was talking to the teens this morning. I said, you know, if we read the Scriptures and we can't think of, you know, how does that apply to my life? I want to try to bring some application into this Scriptures and share with you salvation as well with this Scripture. When I began to study these Scriptures, I thought, well, that's a, that's a good story. It's a good truth. But God began to reveal how salvation is seen in this story. And I want to share that with you in a few moments. But here was a man, you may be today. Some people spend their entire life building wealth, building power, building prominence in their life. And death doesn't care. Sickness does not care. I want to tell you, the President of the United States, I ain't all about him. Don't agree with everything he's doing, okay? I'll tell you that up front. But death and sickness comes to his house just like it does to ours. Just because he's the president doesn't mean he's immune to these kind of things. When the president walks into the room, what do they do? The Congress or whatever. Man hollers out, Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States. What happens? They all stand and look. I want you to picture this man. Maybe your life this morning, sickness and death does not care how much money we have, what kind of position we have. But I want to ask you a question this morning. When that comes in your life, where do you look? The first place you look to Jesus? Or is it the second, third, or last place you look? Here was a man that looked to Jesus. I'm not going to say he didn't try some other things. I don't know. The Scripture doesn't tell us that. But he was a man that had some accomplishments. He was great in the eyes of people. But he looks to Jesus. I want us to see his attitude as well. 
We find that in the last part of verse 22. It says, He fell at His feet. Jairus was a man of power and position. And I want you to think about that in two different ways. Literally, you study the Scriptures, literally he came and he fell on his knees at Jesus' feet. Here was a man that walked around in nice clothes and fancy clothes and everybody saw him. Oh, that's the ruler, that's one of the rulers of the synagogue. And he comes and it means he humbled himself and went to his knees. You know, there's a lot of people walking around today like, hey, I'm better than everybody else. Hey, I'm a, a good person. The Bible says there's none good. No, not one. All have sinned. Come short of the glory of God. Here was a man that came and he hit his knees. Literally, figuratively, he said, I can't. But you can. I think about a Sunday night. I was born and practically raised over in Benton, Arkansas. I think about a Sunday night. There was a little boy sitting back there, about right there, trying I don't know who the, the guy's name is, but anyway, he was sitting back there a little bit, you know. That Sunday night, he decided that he needed to get saved. And he stepped out and he walked the aisle. Corbett Mask was pastor of the church over at Forest Hills in Benton, Arkansas. And he walked the aisle. Came down. He realized, I can't. But he can. He realized that he needed to humble himself. And he did that that night. That little boy was me. I can remember for two or three Sunday nights, I always said... Dad sat on the end. I sat beside him. Mom sat on the other side. Two or three Sunday nights, I would ease out and I would look down the aisle thinking I need to go. Knowing I need to be saved. Knowing I was headed for hell. And that night, I stepped out. And I went. Maybe somebody here this morning Maybe in that same situation, you begin to realize you're headed for hell. But I want to see as well the acknowledgement of Jairus. Look at verse 23. And besought him greatly. Has the idea of begging him greatly. Saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed. And she shall live. We know something today that evidently this guy didn't know. Jesus, if you'll come and you'll touch her. All Jesus had to do was speak. And she could have been healed. We know that. Scripture teaches us that. But here was a man that came and begged. Now I want you to think for yourself just for a second. What if you carried your daughter to the emergency room? The doctor said she needs surgery. If she don't get surgery within an hour, she could very well die. But you know what? There's two guys that came in before you. One's got a broke arm, and I've got to set his arm in a cast. And the other's got a cut in the head that needs some stitches. 
and I'm going to sew him up. I'm going to do those two things and then I'll come back and I'll treat your daughter. We'll do surgery. We've got about an hour. Those shouldn't take me but about an hour, so I'll be back right in the nick of time, you know. How many of us would beg that doctor, don't leave, do the surgery. I want you to imagine in your own life for a second if that was happening to you. Here was a man that came begging Jesus, pleading with Jesus, acknowledging who Jesus was. That night, I knew who Jesus was. I'd been in church all my life. And I'd heard about Jesus and how He died on the cross. That night I came and I acknowledged Jesus was the Savior of the world. Putting my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ that night. I said, not literally, but figuratively, I can't save myself. I've heard preachers say, you know, who who saved you? And they'd be like, well, you did, you know. They're thinking, you told me how, and you led me how, and all this. No, I didn't. Jesus saves us, you know. Jesus saved me. I want to tell you, Brother Greg can't save you. No other preacher, no other person can save you. Only Jesus. Faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe how many of us need to say this morning, I can't fight this fight any longer. I can't win this victory by myself. I've got to give it to Jesus. That night I told Jesus, I don't remember the prayer. I don't remember every word I said. I don't remember every word He said. I just remember I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and I asked Him to be my Savior that night. And He saved me. Maybe you're tired of fighting that fight. Losing that battle. Maybe you just need to come this morning and say, I'm going to give it to God. I've heard preachers say that. I've been you know, all my life. I've said it before. How many times we bring it to the altar and we lay it down there and we pray for it. Yet we pick it back up when we leave there. We pick it back up when we hit the car. Whatever it may be. We get home. We put that burden back on us. Instead of just leaving it. God, I can't. But I know You can. I want us to see the delay in the Scriptures here. Verse 24 says, And Jesus went with Him, and much people followed Him enthroned Him. I want you to imagine. Jesus, here's this man. He says, will you go with me? My daughter's at the point of death. Come, lay your hand on her. Jesus said, okay, let's go. Now all these people are around. Throning, I mean, just wanting Jesus to speak to them, touch them, wave at them, wanting to talk to Jesus. You know, I picture in my mind, and this may be a bad analogy, I, I, I was not old enough to remember the Elvis that much. But I can remember seeing those ladies when Elvis would come in, just screaming and just wanting to get so close to him. I want you to imagine some big sports hero or some big music star. and Everybody's just trying to get around. Here's the apostles. Jesus right there. All the apostles say, let's go. They begin to make their way and people are coming out. You know, a while ago we was doing the meet and greet. 
I almost got hung up back there in the middle of the section right there a while ago. And, you know, I know I bumped somebody. I apologize for bumping you because I was trying to get through the crowd and get back up here, you know. I want you to imagine that as well. And all of a sudden, here is Jesus. He stops. Jesus says, who touched me? I picture the apostle saying, Jesus, everybody's touching you. Everybody's wanting to... No, it was different. He said, somebody touched me. And the lady with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment and was healed. They carry on a conversation. Seven, eight, nine verses. They begin to talk with Jesus and this lady. Carrying on a conversation. I wonder if that ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, was thinking, Jesus... You was going with me. Jesus, what's going on? My daughter's at the point of death. Now, I want you to imagine we go back to the scene where the, where the doctor says, well, all right, we beg them to go. Let's go. We'll do surgery. And all of a sudden somebody says, wait a minute, doctor. There's somebody else come in. How many of us would say, doctor, my daughter's at the point of death. Let's go. I want to tell you, you study the Scriptures, nowhere in the Scriptures do we see that the Jairus said a word to Jesus. Seven, eight, nine verses. Jesus is carrying on a conversation. Delaying right there. Jesus says, let's go. Now He stopped. Nowhere do we see the Scriptures say He said anything to Jesus. Now I want you to think for a moment. To me, that's a picture of faith. He knew Jesus was going to take care of that situation. Faith. I guarantee you every one of us could use a little more faith in our life today. An increase in that. He stood silently. Jesus is going to take care of this. I know He is. He said, let's go. But He stopped. Jump down to verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? I want you to imagine if you could put yourself in this guy's shoes. Jesus is talking to this woman. She's healed. Everything's great. Maybe we need to go on, Jesus. He don't say anything. He waits. And here comes a certain one out of the house. Don't bother the Master anymore. She's dead. You need to come home. Horatio, remember the story? His wife was grieving over in England. He dropped what he was doing and went. She's dead. You need to come home. See what's happening there. We see in that verse 35 another picture of faith. I wonder if he ever thought, man, if that woman hadn't stopped him, he would have made it. I wonder if he ever thought in his mind, if Jesus had kept coming, she would have made it. I wonder how many times this morning, how many times in our life 
has something similar happened to us. You ever prayed, God, here's what I want you to do? And do it quickly? It's almost like, God, are you listening? I don't know if you've ever met a situation I have. God, are you listening? I want to tell you, Jesus cares. We're going to see that in just a moment. I think about two sisters named Mary and Martha. Jesus showed up and they said what? Jesus, if you had been here, our brother would be alive today. I think about when Jesus said to the apostles, get on the ship and go to the other side. I'm going back up here and pray. They got out there on that water and storm came up. I wonder if they ever thought, if Jesus had been here, He'd take care of this. I will tell you, if Jesus had been there with Mary and Martha, they would not have seen them. Jesus raise their brother from the dead. Lazarus come forth. If Jesus had been on the ship, they would not have seen Jesus walking on the water, showing the power of God. I will tell you this morning, God is never early, but He's never late. You've heard it said probably before, He's always right on time. You think that death took Jesus by coincidence or accident? He knew it was going to happen. Let's continue on as we look at the third thing, the deliverance. Verse 36, As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken. Now, I don't know. The Scripture doesn't tell us all about what's going on. But I want you to think for yourself just a second here. I wonder if Jesus was talking to this woman, and here comes that man and says, she's dead, let's go. You ever been carrying on a conversation with someone, and there's another conversation going on in the room, and your your little ear is going like, what are they saying? Something's happening over there, and I'm trying to hear this, and trying to hear this at the same time. That ever happened to you? It does me sometimes. I wonder if Jesus said, I hear what you're saying over there. Jesus heard what was spoken. Now, I don't know if Jairus said, Jesus, never mind, she's dead, or if Jesus heard. But I want to tell you, I want you to see the picture of what's taking place here. All these people around Him. All this going on. And Jesus heard. I want to tell you, you think that night at Forest Hills, Greg Lee was the only one praying for salvation? Probably not. In the entire world. But Jesus heard. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus is never, ever too busy to hear our prayers. He hears. Jesus cares. I don't care how many millions of people are talking to Jesus. He hears. What a picture of that right here that we see as soon as Jesus heard that was spoken. He saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid. Only what? Believe. I want you to picture for a second. What is Jesus actually saying to the ruler of the synagogue? He's saying, Don't believe what you see. Don't believe what you hear. Don't even believe what you know. 
trust me. What he's saying. I won't tell you, I stand here this morning and I say, I've never seen, I've, I've seen people, I've been in a place where somebody actually drew their last breath. I didn't see their soul go up into heaven. We won't see that. But the Bible tells me this morning, don't believe everything you see. The world says it won't happen. God says, don't believe everything you know, because my little infinite mind it's so small, I can't think the things that God can think. He knows so much more than I know. And do so much more than I can do. The world today says, don't believe it. Jesus says, only believe. How many times have we taken our problems to God and we thought, boy, this is a big one, God. In the back of our mind, we're thinking, He's not going to do anything. Why would we even take it to Him in the first place? We thought that. Jesus said, only believe. What an exclamation of faith we see there. You know, when we think it's hopeless, Jesus says, just believe. All things are possible through Christ. Only believe the exclusion. Now, I want you to see this. As we think about salvation. And He suffered no man to follow Him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And He cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And I want to tell you, I think coming up is the saddest, one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible. And they laughed him to scorn. Jesus comes into the situation, he says, She's not dead. Jesus is going to bring her back to life. All indications. I think she wasn't breathing. I think she, her heart had stopped. They said she's dead. Jesus said, wait a minute. She's sleeping. And they laughed. I want you to stop and think for a second. You know, as they look, as you see, they're, ha ha, Jesus, you're crazy, Jesus. She's dead. Our Savior. They're laughing at Him. To me, one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible. I want to tell you, the world today is laughing at Jesus today. Maybe not outwardly and openly, but figuratively speaking. The world today says coming to church is dumb. Why waste your time? The world today says this Scripture, this Bible... Doesn't mean anything. Why read it? The world today says there's a different way. The world today is pushing a lifestyle of homosexuality down our throats. The world is laughing at Jesus. They laughed Him to scorn. But when He had put them all out, 
He taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in were the damsel. I want you to think the exclusion here. There's going to come a time, according to the Bible, there's going to come a time when God is going to separate the lost from the saved. What was it that Scripture said a while ago? Jesus said, only believe. There's going to come a time when God is going to separate those that believe from those that don't believe. Right here is a picture of it. Jesus said, you don't believe, you stay out. You that are laughing, I don't believe they were saved because how could they be laughing at the Savior of the world that they had accepted if they were saved? Jesus said, you stay out. Those that believe, come on. And you're going to see something that's going to take place. There's going to come a time when God is going to separate the believers from the non-believers. Picking up in verse 41. And he took the damsel by the hand and said, and said unto her, Talitha Kuma, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. We see the exhibition here. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was at the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. How do we know she was alive? She, she demonstrated two things that tell us that. She got up and she walked. I ain't never seen a dead person walking. And I've never seen a dead person eating. She walked and she ate. She was alive. I want to tell you this morning, when Jesus Christ enters in, life begins. That night... That little boy prayed for Jesus to enter in, to become his Savior, putting his faith and trust in him. He entered into me through the Holy Spirit, and I became spiritually alive that night. And the same thing with you when you got saved. Same thing can happen this morning. If you're here lost, you can be saved and you can become spiritually alive. Spiritually, I was dead in my trespasses and sin. I was headed for hell. But today, praise God, I'm headed to heaven. When that day comes. But I want you to see. Jump back to verse 42. Can you do it for me, brother? They were astonished with great astonishment. Has the idea of being amazed. They were amazed. I want to stand here this morning and I want to tell you, I am amazed. I am astonished. That God would love a little boy, a grown man like me. So much that He would send His only begotten Son to die for me. I won't tell you, Greg Philomley's not perfect. None of us are. Don't want to bust your bubble. When I was growing up, my mama, every once in a while she'd say, Mama's little angel. I wasn't perfect. Praise God that He loved me so much that He sent Jesus His only Son. I'm amazed and I'm astonished that God would do that. I'm amazed and I'm astonished that God would look down and say, Jesus is going to die 
for some of the people in the world today. The way they're acting, the things they're doing. But praise God, His love is not like our love. I've got one child, and I won't tell you if it came to her or you, if it came to her or my wife, she's going to live. I'm amazed and I'm astonished that God has that much love for sinners. That He would put His Son on the cross of Calvary to die. Praise God He did, because without that, there would be no forgiveness of sins. There would be no salvation. Perhaps God has spoken to you this morning, telling you you're lost, telling you you need to be saved, telling you you need to come to the altar. Whatever it may be that God is speaking to your life this morning, you're going to have an opportunity to come. As we stand, we prepare for a verse of invitation. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray as we come to invitation time, Pray, Lord, You've spoken to every one of us here. Pray, Lord, that there's someone here this morning that needs to be saved. Someone here that needs to come for some other reason. Any reason, Lord, that You want them to come. Lord, I pray they'd step out this morning before it's too late. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We pray for blessings, we pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity, we pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering and all the while you hear each spoken need yet love is way too much to give us lesser things cause what if our blessings come through raindrops what if our healing comes through tears What if a thousand sleepless nights is what it takes to know you're near? And what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? We pray for wisdom your voice to hear we cry in anger when we cannot feel you near we doubt your goodness we doubt your love as if every promise from your word is not enough and And long that we'd have faith to believe Cause what if your blessings come through rain?
drops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights is what it takes to know you're near? And what if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? When friends betray us, when darkness seems to win, we know the pain reminds this heart, this is not, this is not our home. It's not our What if our blessings come through raindrops? What if our healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights is what it takes to know you're near? What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst? This world can satisfy. What if trials up is life? The rain, the storms, the hardest nights. All your mercies in disguise.